When the Jews return to Zion and a comet fills the sky, and the Holy Roman Empire rises, then you and I must die. From the eternal sea he rises, creating armies on either shore, turning man against his brother, till man exists no more. This is the poem that Father Brennan believes signifies the arrival of the Antichrist, who will bring about the end of days and pave the way for his father the devil to rule over all. Father Brennan believes the Antichrist to be none other than Damien Thorne, son of the respected American ambassador to England, Robert Thorne. Is the priest correct or is he crazy? More important, can Robert ignore all the signs? From director Richard Donner, this is The Omen. I'm Connor Izagari. Austin Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. Another happy Wednesday, listeners. Welcome back to Filmgasm. You're joining us on our 28th episode, The Omen, one of my favorite horror movies, and in my opinion, the scariest biblical horror movie of all time. Way scarier than The Exorcist, I think, mostly because it's not about what you see, it's about what you learn, and the implications of that knowledge. Stay tuned for Weird Shit Wednesday in just two weeks, where we'll be talking about the legacy of the Joker, Batman's iconic arch-nemesis, whose film appearances are always attached to controversy. We'll dig into the origins of the character and the actors who've played him on screen, namely Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, and soon Joaquin Phoenix. But we won't stop there. There's also his animated appearances, where he's voiced by actors like Michael Emerson, John DiMaggio, Zach Galifianakis, and, of course, Mark Hamill. That'll be released on Wednesday, September 25th. Don't miss it. Got some cool updates on the Rewind today. One Coen Brothers update, and one going back to the very first episode, The Shining. First up, I took a gander at any upcoming Cohen projects in the pipeline, and two caught my eye immediately. The Coens are working on their own version of the famous Shakespeare play Macbeth, starring Denzel Washington as Macbeth and Francis McDormand as Lady Macbeth. No word yet on the rest of the cast, but the film is currently listed as being in pre-production. What do you think of that? I'm all in. <laughs> Denzel as Macbeth. That ought to be really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm super excited about and that. And Francis McDormand's going to be fucking of great. Course. We all know that. She's the Coen's doing Shakespeare. That's going to be cool. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. The other film they're working on is not a directing gig, but a writing gig, and they're going to be penning the upcoming Scarface remake that keeps falling into development hell. Not sure how I feel about that. Doesn't seem like their usual thing. And typically the stuff they write but don't direct tends to suck. And this is... I bet this is going to be pure shit. There's yeah. a, I think there's a reason it's been <clears throat> not fun for it to be, uh, like you said, development hell. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, so... It's just... No, it's, not not looking forward to that one. It's not necessary. I mean, Scarface is fine. It's Why would you want to touch that? It's more than fine. It's fantastic. Why would anybody <laughs> want to touch that? It's a classic. Especially with Diego Luna? No. Uh, oh. Yikes. Ugh. That'll ruin his career. <laughs> well, he'll have that... He's, he's the guy from Rogue One, right? Yes. All right, so he's the guy getting his own show. So I, he'll have that, at yeah. le- no matter what, at Does least. Does anybody really care about that? I don't know. I, I don't even we'll remember see. his name. We'll see. We'll see what <laughs> what happens with all the Disney Plus shit. Yeah, if people really care about these shows and stuff. I don't think they're all going to work, but I think most of them are going to work. Yeah. yeah. Because people don't do anything else, so... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Including me. <laughs> oh, man. Next up, a cool update on The Shining, or rather its upcoming sequel, Dr. Sleep. Director Mike Flanagan felt it necessary to recreate the Overlook Hotel, exactly as Kubrick had depicted it in his film. 
So he dug up Kubrick's blueprints from Warner Brothers storage and recreated the entire set down to the books on the shelves and the photos on the wall. Suffice it to say, Flanagan is taking this very seriously, and I can't fucking wait. I that that right there, that alone makes me love that movie already. It's gonna it's feel like the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. So even even if it's not quite hitting in all cylinders, it's gonna have a cool atmosphere. That's yes. awesome. That's something to look forward to. The new trailer. As if I came, didn't yeah. need more, you know. <laughs> the new trailer came out a couple days ago, and whew, yeah, damn man, this we're is both, gonna be great. We're both pretty fucking hyped. Yeah. <laughs> I read the book; it was really good, and I'm excited to see the book kind of blend with Kubrick's movie to get this new universe. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Ah, so great. So that's it for the rewind. Now, The Omen, directed by Richard Donner, who was also the director of Superman, The Goonies. Scrooged, Lady Hawk, and the Lethal Weapon franchise. Wow, how diverse can you get? He's a legend, for sure. And I don't think he ever gets credit. Like, he's never listed in the same no. realm as Scorsese or Spielberg. People always forget Richard Donner. Yeah. And he's behind some incredible films. That's fucked up. Yeah. It's probably because there's not um, uh, recent stuff, but that's that's unfair. That's true. That's unfair. Like you, you said, you know, like someone like Scorsese who's still just working, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this 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 takes a little extra um, research. Someone like Donner. Unfortunately, you have to look a little further, you know. Yeah. But here's that's what we do. That, exactly. Here we are, <laughs> giving you that knowledge. You exactly. don't even have to do anything. You should listen. Yeah. The film stars Oscar winner Gregory Peck as Robert Thorne. Fantastic. The ambassador who becomes our hero of sorts. Peck won his only Oscar for his performance in 1962's *To Kill a Mockingbird*, one of the most iconic films of all time. Atticus Finch and books, of course. Yeah. He was nominated an additional four times for his roles in 1944's The Keys of the Kingdom, 1946's The Yearling, 1947's Gentleman's Agreement, and 1949's Twelve O'Clock High. He also won the Gene Herschelt Humanitarian Award in 1968. He died in 2003 at age 87 of cardiorespiratory arrest and bronchial pneumonia. Gregory Peck, he held on to 2003, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, that's a long life. Damn, Gregory Peck. Legend. Unbelievable career. Yeah. And he came out of semi-retirement to do this, which blew everyone's mind. Exactly, yeah. A lot of those Oscar uh, nominations and whatnot are in the, you know, in the 40s. You know, this mm-hmm. is a guy who, you know, 25, 30 years later is doing stuff that's very important in his career. It's really cool. Yeah. The Omen touches on some heavy, heavy subject matter. Oh my god, yeah. Like the heaviest you could get in 76. And, and he's fucking amazing in it. Yeah. He's <laughs> it's amazing. Brings it. Oscar nominee Lee Remick plays Catherine Thorne, Robert's wife and quote-unquote mother to Damien. Remick was nominated for her role in 1962's Days of Wine and Roses. I liked her very much in Anatomy of a Murder. That's a great film. Hell yeah. She died in 1991 at age 55 of kidney, lung, and liver cancer. Oof. Damn. Character actor David Warner plays Keith Jennings, a photographer who stumbles into the Antichrist plot and tries to help Robert stop it. Warner has been in a ton of stuff. Most notably, Time After Time, mm-hmm. Time Bandits, Tron, Star Trek V, and Star Trek VI as different characters, Twin Peaks, In yes. the Mouth of Madness, Batman the Animated Series as the voice of Ra's al Ghul, Titanic, and most recently in Mary Poppins Returns as Admiral Boom. He's fantastic. Wonderful. Yeah. He's just that guy that appears in so much. <laughs> and I love the guy. So cool. David Warner, the ultimate... Uh... That guy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's the he's the genre film that guy. <laughs> yeah. Billy Whitelaw plays Mrs. Baylock, the newly hired nanny who is revealed to be one of Satan's devoted servants, who is there to protect Damien. 
Some listeners may also know her as Joyce Cooper, the lady who runs the hotel in Sanford in Hot Fuzz. Couldn't fucking believe it when I found that out. (laughs) That's great. The hag. Fantastic. (laughs) She died in 2014 at age 82 of natural causes, and now that I know that she's Joyce and Mrs. Baylock, whole new level of respect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A whole new light. So cool. Patrick Troughton plays Father Brennan, the paranoid dying priest who tries to convince Robert that his son is the Antichrist. Troughton is best remembered for his role as the second doctor on Doctor Who from 1966 to 1969. He would return to the show for many years for special appearances until his death in 1987 at age 67 of a heart attack. I haven't watched any of the classic Doctor Who. I was a big fan of the new one for a while. Uh, I do want to check out some. I've seen some clips. He seemed really good. Yeah, I've, I've I've actually never watched a second of any Doctor Who at all, so I don't. I, I'm not saying I don't want yeah. to. It's good, but I it's an found, acquired taste. Haven't found time for it, but yeah. I would prefer to watch the old one first. You know, if I the cool to. thing about Doctor Who is you don't have to. You can literally jump in at any moment yeah. and not be lost. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Pretty cool. So if I do try it, I can just yeah yeah just pick a number between one and thirteen and just go with it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> And finally, Harvey Stevens plays Damien Thorne, a five-year-old child who is secretly the Antichrist and one of the most iconic horror characters of all time. This was Stevens' only major film role, though he did have a cameo in the 2006 remake as Tabloid Reporter Number 3. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> tabloid Reporter Number 3. He played Damien in 76, he was in one TV movie in the 80s, and then he was Tabloid Reporter Number 3. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Jeez. I guess he just didn't like it. Who had a longer run, him or, or the little boy who played Danny Torrance? I don't know. I, w- I didn't look into what this guy's doing now. Maybe they're teaching at the same college. Oh, man. Maybe that place is like a refuge for they're just like, abandoned horror kid actors. They have lunch together every day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So before we get into the film, I think it's important that we all have some context. So what exactly is the Antichrist? Well, according to PBS.org... The Antichrist is the son of Satan, who will bring about the end of the world, according to the Christian book of Revelations. And here's the full write-up that it, as it appears on PBS.org. Brought to you by viewers like you. <laughs> I remember that from my childhood. The, the word Antichrist appears in just three passages in the Bible, in the New Testament letters known as John 1 and John 2. It does not appear at all in the book of Revelation. Nevertheless, the idea of an Antichrist is central to the apocalyptic worldview that sees human history as a struggle between God and Satan for the fate of mankind. According to most Christian prophecies of the end time, the Antichrist will act as Satan's chief agent on earth during this period. The Antichrist, a sort of evil twin of Jesus in many ways, will forge a one-world government through promises of peace. But when Jesus returns, he will expose the Antichrist as an imposter, defeat him in the Battle of Armageddon, and reign with the Christian martyrs for a thousand years on earth. Damn. Bible sounds like some kick-ass book. Have you read it? No. I've read it maybe like five times all the way through. It's a pretty crazy book. It's fun bringing up Revelation to Christians because they don't really want to talk about it. (laughs) Everything I know about the Bible I know from watching Supernatural. That's probably not a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's for a whole different time. I used to do mission work, so... Yeah. I used to believe all this. Yes. Uh, Robert Fuller, in his book Naming the Antichrist, notes that modern apocalypticists, apparently that's a job title, believe the book of Revelation contains much information about the Antichrist, who will emerge as a beast from the sea 
to be Satan's ally in a last desperate assault on Christ and his church. This parody and mirror opposite of Christ will be identifiable in a number of ways. 1. Promising peace to those who follow him, he will rise to a position of great power. 2. With the help of his own false prophet, the Antichrist will gain control of the world economy by forcing each person to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name, 666. 3. One of the heads of the beast also seemed to have a mortal wound, but its normal or its mortal wound was healed and the whole earth followed the beast with wonder. So basically, it's going to be somebody who shows up preaching peace and love, unifies the world governments under one power, takes over the economy, and he will be identifiable by the number of the beast. So, we should start checking politicians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> There's stuff like... Um... You know, I, I think this stuff is super interesting. So, oh yeah, uh, for sure. There's like stuff that's happened um, in recent history with like you know, of course you know it's conspiracy theories and new world new world order and you know one currency things like that. There's there's like actual things that happen that that kind of like what's the reasoning between Donald Trump and the Pope like meeting and like having a secret meeting? What what are y'all talking about? What are y'all doing? I don't fucking trust you, those two making decisions for all of us. That's the kind of shit they're going to be doing, man. It's like they're going to be like, oh, it's all good. It's all good. No, you guys are trying to find a way where all of us are going to speak the same language and have the same currency so you can all control us. I don't know. I don't know. Personally, I think Trump is way too blatantly evil, stupid? evil oh. and stupid to be the Antichrist. I feel like it would be... Oh, I don't think he's the Antichrist. I just think... Um, maybe. maybe- Maybe he's the false prophet. Yeah, maybe the Antichrist is at play. Pope Francis is the Antichrist. That's very possible. I mean, what better position to be in than the Pope? Exactly, yeah. Crazy. Well, yeah, that's why why you have fucking... uh, I'll go there. That's why you have priests, you know, who have this control and this power that they fucking abuse against children is because, like, how can you say no to God? Oof, man. You know what I mean? How are these children supposed to say no to a priest who's speaking as if they're this... Superior, yeah. I, I'm wearing a thing that you can't wear because I know more about God than you. What? You know, it's just so fucking twisted. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's you know, I don't know. That's just where you know, it's, that's that's how it goes. Like, I feel like the last three minutes po- is going to alienate po- a fuck ton of people. Po- poli- <laughs> politi- politicians and, and religious leaders ha- have absolute power. You know? Yeah, that's just how it is. And mm-hmm. so. It's been that yeah, way for that, thousand years. I don't think either of us are saying we take a side in anything. We're just that's just how it is. <laughs> this is the truth. This is just what we do. Yeah, we got no. Truth. We don't take sides for the most part. No, and and uh, you know we love horror movies. So when it, when a movie like The Omen actually kind of um, it just uh, there's just so much to it. So there's so if much we're gonna to watch see. a movie that deals with religion as one of its central themes, we are gonna have to talk about. Of that. course, of course, yeah, yeah, and of course, our personal thoughts are gonna get in there. That's that's the that's point of the, just, that's what conversation is. <laughs> that's the point of the podcast. Yeah, so, you should make your own if you don't like. It. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So the film touches on a lot of these aspects of the Antichrist, especially the number of the beast six six six. Now six 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 is considered by many to be a cursed number associated as one of the symbols of the devil or the Antichrist. There's even a phobia named after the fear of the number six six six, and it's the longest word I've ever seen in my life. So let me give this a shot. Hexacosioi hexaconta hexaphobia. I, why? <laughs> I think you nailed it. Jesus Christ. Ugh. The number appears in the Bible in Revelations chapter 13, verse 18. Let him who has understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number, its number is 666. 
and you metal fans can hear that in the beginning of The Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden. Classic. <laughs> That's where I know that. Sex! 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 <laughs> it's an awesome track. Uh, it is. It's an awesome album. And it's movies like this, really, that have embedded the concept of the Antichrist into pop culture more for than the Bible sure, has. For sure. Yeah, let's go ahead and point out how much fucking money this movie made. Yeah. The Omen was released in 1976. It was one of the highest grossing films of the year, grossing $60 million on a $2.8 million budget. It was fifth that year. That's that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> in 1976, when Rocky was the big movie that came out, <laughs> this movie was fifth. Like, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> or it's been alive forever. Don't. <laughs> Always will be. It has an IMDb score of 7.5 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 84%. It won a single Oscar for Best Original Score yes, for yeah. Jerry Goldsmith, and it was nominated for Best Original Song for the creepy theme song Ave Satani, which we will play a snippet of at the end of the show, and that is Latin for Hail Satan. Fantastic. <laughs> so if you're having audio problems with this podcast, it's not your computer, it's not your phone, it's the devil. <laughs> Just remember that. <laughs> it's not our fault. <laughs> no, no. And if this is the last episode because we disappeared, you'll know why. You heard it here first. <laughs> so the plot of the omen is really simple, but also kind of convoluted, but in a good way. Yeah, you could watch it. Um, you could watch it with a with a lens that's pretty pretty basic, and you can kind of just go through it, and it's kind of just some bad shit happening one after another. Oh yeah. Or you can do what we do and really look at every little thing that's happening. Oh yeah. And. <laughs> And search what these guys are actually finding, you know, these books and you know, these verses and references to, you know, philosophy and religion. Yeah. Amazing. All, all fit in in under two hours. <laughs> really cool stuff. <laughs> so, Robert Thorne is in Rome where his wife is giving birth to a baby. He's told that she's given birth to a boy who has died in, uh, she's born, stillborn. The priest... Father Spoleto. Like, always a very effective way to start a fucking horror movie. Just like, oh. Dead baby. Within, Jesus Within Christ. three minutes. Yeah. And Robert's, you know, what do I tell my wife? How do I tell her, you know, she wanted a child more than anything. How do I tell her the baby's dead? And Spoleto, the father says, you don't have to do that. We have another baby whose mother died. And we can just swap him out. Which is a fucked up, horrific thing to do in any situation. Yeah. And the fact that Robert goes along with this, I think it speaks a bit to his character. Right away, for sure. And the priest, or, especially. Or you can be fooled by it because it's so early that you're just kind of like, uh, kind of lost in the emotions. That it's you, true. Yeah. Ah, man, yeah, fucked up. But Robert agrees that it would be best for everybody if they just pass this baby off as their own child and they name the child Damien. Years later, Robert is appointed to... Uh, the position of U.S. ambassador to the U.K., very prestigious, and weird shit starts to happen to them as Damien grows up. Some sort of plagues. Yeah, this weird Rottweiler starts following them, uh, and then at Damien's fifth birthday party, the nanny fucking hangs herself, and it's one of the most iconic scenes of the film. It's frightening. (laughs) Go ahead and say the line. No, I can't. This is one of your favorite movies of all time. All right, I'll do it. (laughs) So the... (laughs) So, the nanny goes up to the second or third floor of the house during a just massive birthday party and yells out, Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. And fucking leaps off. 
and just hangs herself right there, and it's so out of the fucking blue. Oh my god, it's off the wall. I wouldn't have been able to get through that. It's crazy. And through this, the uh, photographer Keith Jennings is there taking yes. pictures. Yes, great character. And he takes a picture of the of the nanny before, and he sees like a weird shadow over yeah. her neck, which is kind of strange. So a new nanny shows up. Mrs. Baylock arrives unannounced, saying, "I'm the replacement nanny." No references, no okay. no yeah. forms. Just like it's, I'm the I'm the new guy, and everyone's just kind of like, "All right." Well, there's a button when one of us dies. Uh, we just you know fucking recycle. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it fucking feels like. But nobody <laughs> bothers to check up on this. They're just like, "All right, go get the kid." <laughs> <laughs> See you in a minute. It really is. Uh, I, I'm like laughing because it's just it's just chaotic. It's such a chaotic bit of the movie where yeah, well, this, this you you have you're still stuck with this image of this lady jumping. <laughs> what the fuck is going? And on? nobody's mentioned the word antichrist yet. Nobody no. knows what's going on. Oh no! Oh no! And Baylock starts taking some liberties with the kid. Like they're going to take Damien to church. And she's like, I don't think that's good for the kid. You shouldn't do that. And they're yeah. like, uh, that's my kid. I'll say what we're doing with Damien. She's like, all right, very well. Fine. With some cheek, I might add. And so they take Damien to church. And as soon as they pull up, Damien freaks the fuck out. Starts panicking, scratching his mom. Yeah, attacking her, yeah. Like, viciously. So they drive off because they can't, you know, they don't know what to do. And Robert's like... Should we get a doctor? Like, what do we do here? Yeah, this isn't this isn't so good uh, for their image, their public image. No, you know, they're, they're very public figures. Pulling pulling up to church, and yeah, all these people are seeing this child like beating on his mom. It's crazy. Yeah, and so they, and their tensions are high. This becomes a a, a family issue. You Extremely, know, a, yeah, a, a family a family drama at that. You know, where they have to really figure out what's wrong with their son. <laughs> Later, uh, Catherine takes Damien to the zoo. And the, the baboons freak the fuck out and start attacking the car. Oh my god! And that's that scene, crazy. That scene is ugh. something like that happened to my uncle, which makes me what? think he might be the Antichrist. Oh, It'd actually answer a lot of other questions. <laughs> I actually wish. I hope it's true, just so I can have those answers. <laughs> I'm gonna have a talk this weekend. Oh my god! <laughs> but seriously, he was like the car was attacked by monkeys. That's insane. When he was a kid, monkeys they, they freak me out. Yeah, man. I hate drive-through zoos. I got assaulted by a zebra. Oh, fuck one of those that, things. Like, why? Ugh, it's a terrible idea. Johnson City? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been attacked at that one too. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking oh, zebras, man. Jesus, dude. I was here for like a week. Johnson City and- <laughs> Zoo. <laughs> I just moved here. We went to the fucking thing and zebra got in the car. Ugh. Freaking, yeah. One out of five don't recommend. <laughs> so, Catherine become, becomes scared of Damien. She's starting to make you know connect the dots here, and she starts distancing herself from her own son. And meanwhile, this priest shows up to Robert's office, Father Brennan, and tells him, "I know about the baby. Your 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 wife's in danger. We need I I can help you." And, and Robert's like, "What the hell are you talking about? You know, get the hell out of my life. Who who are you?" And. Uh, the priest tells her that, or tells Robert that his wife's pregnant, and that Damien is not going to let her have that child. Soon after, Father Brennan is killed in a very mysterious accident. Yep. After he tells Robert that his son is the Antichrist, and it's it's crazy. There's like a storm. Piece of the church falls off, impales Brennan through the like through the side piece of the church. Yeah, yeah. literally. It was crazy. And Keith Jennings had a picture of that guy, too, with a weird 
pole shadow sticking out of his body. Ugh. So something... Keith Jennings is getting a lot of omens here. Uh-huh. And uh, Robert goes home and Catherine tells him that she's pregnant and she wants an abortion. She doesn't want any more kids. Oh, man. And Robert's like, I'm not okay with that. What do we do here? What we have is not a kid. <laughs> yeah. She's got the right idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, after learning about Father Brennan's death, this Keith Jennings guy starts investigating Damien, continuing Father Brennan's investigation, and starts finding some very weird things. Yes. And he brings those to Robert's attention and tells him, look, I have these pictures, there's these shadows, and then they died this way. What are we going to do about this? And Robert's like, I don't know. What what, what am I going to do about this? This is my son. And he's like, and, and not only my son, but I've lied saying that this is our actual son when it indeed is not. Yeah. Crazy. So Keith and Robert decide to at least investigate what the priest was looking for. And while he's away, Damien knocks Catherine over the stairs on his trike. She falls on the floor. Pregnant Catherine. And miscarries. Uh, uh. So the priest was right. Damien would not let the child be born. How the fuck did that get to be put in a movie in the 70s? <laughs> There's so much in this movie this that movie is so is, taboo. This movie goes there, yeah. It's insane. It's the it's how I feel about Rosemary's Baby. I'm like, my God, like this is fucking dark. This was That was eight years before this. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's, <laughs> Amazing. Why, that's why I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. That was the precursor. and uh, Literally, as the Hayes Code ended in 1968, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> So Keith and Robert decide to go to Rome to investigate where the hell this child came from. All they know is that Father Spoleto had a baby that yeah. he was going to give Robert. That's yeah. all they know. That's their only lead. So they go to the hospital, and they find out the hospital burned down five years ago. And most of the staff on duty died in that fire, and all the records were destroyed. So they trace the father to this abbey, and he's mute, he's blind in his right eye, he's, pe- he's just he's in a bad spot and they tell him like look something's happening with Damien we know you know what it is mm-hmm. so just give us something anything and he writes down the name of a cemetery and they find a grave in this very creepy cemetery that has the same date of death as Damien's birth date June 6th 1970 or at 6am <laughs> Ugh. Weird. <laughs> so weird. Creepy. So they find, they dig up the grave, and it's a jackal in this, in the grave of the mother. And next to it is a baby's grave, and Robert thinks, is that my son? Is that my child? And he, they, he digs up that grave, and it's a baby's skeleton with the head Ugh. caved in. They murdered his baby Ugh. and gave him Damien. Wow, man. So fucked up. I forget about that part every time I watch this, and it's so fucked up. I hadn't seen this, you know, I watched it last night. I hadn't seen it in years. I completely, I probably chose to forget about that when I was, because I saw it when I was like 16, 17. I probably chose to forget about that part. Yeah, man, it's, oh. Good lord. It's terrible. So Robert immediately goes straight to, I'm going to get these sons of bitches, they murdered my son. And that thing living in my house is not my child. And... Uh, of course, the mother is a jackal. This is not, you know, normal. <laughs> yeah, no. And uh, Robert and Keith are chased out of this cemetery by giant evil hellhounds. 
and Keith pretty much says, all right, this is the Antichrist, and we need to do something about this. So, crazy. And, uh... (laughs) Before all this, or maybe after, uh... Keith starts unraveling this poem that Brennan was saying, the the poem I mentioned at the beginning, and he says that his his, uh, depiction of the poem is that the, uh... Let me look up the poem real fast so we have it. The poem... When the Jews return to Zion and a comet fills the sky, the Jews have returned to Israel. A comet filled the sky. I think a comet was there. Like the Star of Bethlehem is returned to the sky. Mm-hmm. The Holy Roman Empire rising is a, the Treaty of Rome. You And the Eternal Sea could mean the Sea of Politics, which means this child will be born into the world of politics, which is exactly what happened. Yep. So, <laughs> everyone, when he explains all this shit, I just get so creeped out. It's insane. Because it, it's so good. It's so smart. So evil. Yeah. And while they're in Rome, uh, Catherine, who's in the hospital, is, you know, trying to recuperate... And Mrs. Baylock shows up. <laughs> and the music gets really freaky as Mrs. Baylock is just staring Catherine down. And that is, for me, the scariest scene of the movie. Is when you realize, oh, Baylock's Satan's minion here and she's going to murder Catherine. Because she's in the Lord way. Lord mercy. And she throws Catherine out the window. Kills her. Crazy. <laughs> so, Robert Keith, Robert finds out about this and is distraught. But he knows that he's come too far to stop now. So we go to Israel... To the town of the uh, archaeological find of this town, Megiddo, to talk to Bugenhagen, the guy that Father Brennan told them to find. He's an archaeologist and an Antichrist expert. Interesting field of work. And Bugenhagen. Yeah, what, tells, what, what, what got you there, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> Did someone. Are you okay? Well, Bugenhagen gives, like, gives him the straight shit, tells him, look, if Damien's the Antichrist, he's going to have a birthmark in the shape of three sixes. If you can't find it on his body, check the scalp. And he tells him the only way to kill the Antichrist is with these mystical daggers that Bugenhagen just has. <laughs> He's like, here. It's a movie. It's a movie. This is, That's the part where it's like, oh, this is a movie. We have to move it along. Yeah. And he's appalled by the idea of killing a child, even his this monster. So he's like, I'm not doing I can't do this. So he throws the daggers away. Keith goes to retrieve them. Oh, man. This is my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. And he gets decapitated by a sheet of glass flying off a truck. Stellar. And, and imagine, his head just... Oh, shit, man. Fucking it looks flips. great. The, the effects does. there. Jesus. It does. And it matches the shadow across his neck that he had taken a picture of himself earlier. Oh, you knew it was coming. You just didn't know when. Fucked up. So it's my favorite character of the whole movie. So, yeah, that was, that was a crazy death. <laughs> Robert comes home and checks Damien. Checks him his head. Finds the birthmark, 666, on his scalp. And that's when Mrs. Baylock attacks him. And in that struggle, she gets stabbed in the neck. Yes. Robert loads Damien into a car, drives into church. He gets followed by the police who notice the erratic driving. And, of course, they notice him dragging a screaming child into a church. And he's about to stab him. An officer pulls out his gun, says, freeze, don't do this. Robert goes to stab him, and the officer kills Robert, shoots him. They have a, next scene is a funeral of Catherine and Robert with the president presiding over it. Yes, And you just see Damien turn to the camera and smile. The devil has won. The Antichrist will 
come about and the end of days is nigh. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Stellar ending. Oh my god. One of my favorite endings in a horror. It's in so horror. bleak, but it works. And that's so that's the movie. But the real story is what happened during the movie. Yes. There were so many strange occurrences on the set of this film that people started calling it the Omen Curse. And there's too many fucking coincidences for this to be just nothing. It's crazy. Producer Robert Munger was the first to warn the crew that something supernatural might happen, saying, quote, The devil's greatest single weapon is to be invisible, and you're going to take off his cloak of invisibility to millions of people. That's unnerving. So here's a rundown of everything that happened once the film started going into production. Soon after accepting the role of Robert Thorne, Gregory Peck received word that his son Jonathan had killed himself. He decided to move forward with the movie as a way to reconcile his grief, and on the way to England to start filming, his plane was struck by lightning. The engine caught fire, and the plane nearly crashed into the ocean. A few days later, producer Mace Newfeld's plane was also struck by lightning. That's just, that's just, we're just getting started. Yeah, that's just the bit, the beginning here. We're just getting started. Yeah. During a scene involving vicious Rottweilers, something went horribly wrong and the padded stuntman was almost mauled to death. He survived, but he was badly bitten. A local zookeeper, Sidney Bamford, was a cat wrangler for a scene that was cut that involved tigers roaring menacingly at Damien at the zoo. But Bamford forgot to secure one of the animals and the tiger ripped him to pieces. He died. Producer Mace Newfeld cheated death again after the hotel he was staying at during production was bombed by the IRA. <laughs> Days later, Newfeld and another producer, Harvey Bernhard, were en route to a restaurant, and that restaurant was also blown up by the IRA. They missed it by minutes. Jeez. After working on the special effects of The Omen, production designer John Richardson began working on A Bridge Too Far and was in a vicious car accident. He survived, but his passenger, special effects artist Liz Moore, was decapitated. And this part seems far-fetched, but he claims he saw a road sign for a town called Amun that was 66.6 kilometers away. That seems tacked on, but the decapitation happened. Uh, whatever, even if he did see that like in his head, that's just crazy. <laughs> and the curse continued. Amun. Yeah. Welcome to Amun. <laughs> the Fucking... cur- yeah, even when they were making the remake... Uh, Actor Pete Postlewaite, who portrayed Father Brennan, received news that his brother had been killed in a poker game. Postlewaite said, quote, The lads down his club told me they'd been playing cards the week before. They were playing open three-card poker, and Mike drew three sixes. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why would anybody work on this movie after all that shit? So that's The Omen Cursed. Unbelievable. Oh, and it got remade. Yeah. They did it again. Or they did, yeah, they did sequels. Uh... There were three sequels. 1978's Damien Omen 2, starring William Holden as Richard Thorne, Robert's brother, Lee Grant as Anne Thorne, and Jonathan Scott Taylor as Damien. In this film, Damien is 13 years old and learns of his destiny and must accept his identity as the Antichrist. It has an IMDb score of 6.3 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 39%. I have seen this one. It's not bad. It's forgettable, but there are some good scenes in it, and it's cool to see Damien as like a you know, a kid with a rational mind learning that he's the fucking Antichrist. Yeah. So how old would he be? He's just two years older? Or? He's 13. How does that make sense? How old is he? Isn't he... How, he's how, five in the first one. He's 13 in this one. Okay. Yeah. So they jump. Okay, okay. They do a massive time jump. Yeah. yeah. He's living with his aunt and uncle. Fair enough. 
Yeah. I haven't seen any sequels. I've just seen yeah. the 76 and 06. Yeah. <laughs> then there was 1981's Omen 3, The Final Conflict, starring Sam Neill as a grown-up Damien Thorne, who is now the American ambassador to Great Britain, following in his fake father's footsteps. He learns that the second coming of Christ is nigh, and he attempts to kill the reborn Christ child before he can grow up to stop his master plan. IMDb score of 5.6, Rotten Tomatoes score of 32%. So they're getting worse. <laughs> yeah, I like Sam Neill, so that's disappointing. I do too. Finally, was 1991's Omen 4, The Awakening, a TV movie starring Asia Vieira as Delia, the Antichrist reborn in a new body. This was supposed to be the first in the line of a new series of TV movies, but the poor reception killed all chance of that. IMDb score of 3.9, Rotten Tomatoes score of 20%. Jesus Christ. Nobody tries like, with these movies. Like, we saw that in Psycho. Like, people just stop giving a shit after the first movie with yeah, a lot of these. basically. It's ridiculous. And it's just a waste of goddamn time. It really is. Just make a bad movie. Don't attach the omen to it, you know? <laughs> the film was remade in 2006. In fact, it came out on June 6th, 2006, a day that many Christians thought was going to be the end of the world. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. <laughs> like, 60%. It stars Liv Schreiber as Robert Thorne. Like 66.6%. <laughs> Julia Stiles as Catherine Thorne. David Thewlis as Keith Jennings. Pete Postlewaite as Father Brennan. Mia Farrow as Mrs. Baylock. Michael Gambon as Bugenhagen. And Seamus Davy Fitzpatrick as Damian Thorne. Mia Farrow is the only part I like. <laughs> IMDb score of 5.5. Rotten Tomatoes score of 26%. I've seen this once a long time ago, but you just watched this. What are your thoughts? It's shite. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's a lot. It got a lot. I mean, it's very similar, you know, yeah. to, to the 76 one. It does the exact same things, but <laughs> delivered horribly. Specifically, one of my... Sometimes I'll, like, I'll just find... What's the shittiest thing? <laughs> What's the shittiest, you know, um, in comparison? Yeah. The zoo scene in this new one is so fucking bad. And Julia <laughs> Stiles looks like she's like, eh, eh who cares? These monkeys are going <laughs> fucking apeshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. Leah Shriver's checked out the whole time. It, it is cool that Mia Farrow's in it. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. I love Mia Farrow. Of course, yeah. You know, it's... I like Michael Gambit. I like all of those people, really. Yeah, me too. I love Liam Schreiber. He's, he's a guy I really respect, but he's he's, he's not good enough. Pete Postlewaite's brother had to die for that. God damn. There was a short-lived 2016 TV reboot titled Damien, which followed Damien Thorne as a young adult who learns of his identity and struggles to cope with the knowledge that he's the Antichrist. It starred Bradley James as Damien. Super geeks will know him as Arthur on the BBC series Merlin. It lasted one season on A&E and was not renewed. So if I saw the trailer for it, it looked bad. Yeah, I don't... I don't think I'll be checking that one out. <laughs> you can't really make a... Like, Damien's not the hero of this franchise. They get that, right? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> oh, man. Ugh, ridiculous. So, here's some... Just making the ambassador. Yeah, yeah, what? What the fuck? I don't know. Here's some film guys and facts on The Omen. Number one. One of Richard Donner's first requests to screenwriter David Seltzer was to remove all suggestions of the supernatural, such as cloven-hoof demons and witches' covens. The golden rule was that nothing was allowed in the script that couldn't happen in real life. The idea was that there should be some degree of doubt over whether or not Thorne was deranged. And I love that. That's really cool. This movie's very interpretive. Yeah. It's all about how much you believe. And I love that. 
that's possible, quite possibly my favorite thing about horror. Yeah. Or about, I guess, about like life in general, about religion, about like what you believe and what you see is what what's going to be happening to you. So, what you you know, that's a big part of it. The movie we've you know, big horror movie we just uh, all seen. What are you afraid of? Yeah. And this one's very much what do you believe in? Yes. And it's brilliant. If you where's, look at it, it's where's just, your where's your faith at? Yeah. If you look at it one way, this movie's all one big coincidence that leads to three deaths. Yeah. Or well, more deaths, but three at the end, and. It, or it could be the Antichrist. And maybe Mrs. Baylock is just crazy. Yeah. Maybe Damien's just a normal kid who doesn't, you know, wasn't feeling that hot when they went to church. I don't know. Cool. I love oh, that. There was times when I was not feeling too hot going to church as a kid. <laughs> I don't think I ever beat my mom up over it, but I definitely was like, I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, as of 2019, The Omen remains the only horror film song to be nominated for an Oscar at... Uh, best original song and the only one that was written and sung in Latin that's awesome <laughs> the only horror movie to ever be nominated for best song that's cool number three this one was just weird David Warner kept his severed head for years until his divorce when his ex-wife obtained custody of it <laughs> she wouldn't let him keep the head <laughs> Jesus what a... I wonder what she did with that <laughs> I imagine her just destroying it office space style Oh, yeah. Cathartically. With the music in the background, too. <laughs> die, motherfucker, die, motherfucker. <laughs> you guys want an Office Space episode? Oh, we'll do, oh, hell yeah. We'll do that one day. Absolutely. <laughs> Number four. Harvey Stevens, as Damien, was largely chosen for this role from the way he attacked Richard Donner during the audition. Donner asked all the little boys to come at him as if they were attacking Catherine Thorne during the church wedding scene. Stevens screamed and clawed at Donner's face and kicked him in the groin during his act. Donner whipped the kid off him, ordered the kid's blonde hair dyed black, and cast him as Damien. All right. So sometimes it pays to attack the director. To just be a little asshole, yeah. <laughs> Apparently he misbehaved all the time. Uh, Baylock hated him. <laughs> She's like, oh, I'm just trying to get a fucking Oscar. <laughs> she tried to get out of the film, too. She was on a play in the West End and didn't want to do this. Oh, wow. But she couldn't get out of it. Uh, so that's The Omen. Delightfully unnerving biblical horror film. Nine out of ten for me. A nine for me as well. Very, Straight up. Very solid. And, it's so unnerving. And yeah, like uh, we pointed out earlier, it it influences a lot of like the, you know, 80s, uh, 70s and 80s music, pop culture that I that I, just, I really have grown grown up with and, and still love today. So yeah, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, re- fantastic movie. <laughs> so good. The remake is so shitty. But it really is. I'll just choose to forget about that and... We got one gem, and the rest don't even fucking bother. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That happens a lot. It really does. It's okay, though. So sad. As long as we get that gem. We, there's so few horror franchises that are just great the whole it's time. Part of, it's part of the like stigma around the, the genre, I think, is that <laughs> no one ever makes more than one good. Uh, except for it. Except, yeah. <laughs> and Halloween's coming, too. It happens sometimes, but it's rare. It's just rare, yeah. I hate to be, you know too cynical but yeah it's, it's just rare that's why you know that's why we do the podcast the other two guys on the team are gonna give us some shit for that i just know it yeah well <laughs> we'll be ready so let's take a look at what happened this week in film it wasn't a lot but let's take a look the trailer for bad boys for life was released will smith and martin lawrence are returning for the long-awaited sequel and i haven't even watched the trailer yet i don't really care i don't give a fuck <laughs> people went not people love bad boys i just yeah i don't like martin lawrence i i, I 
I just don't care for rehashing stuff solely for money. It's not like, what are you going to do with that that's going to teach us anything? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. With Bad Boys, I feel like uh, with with certain movies, you you really are not even trying to stretch the creativity. You're, Nobody ever accused Michael Bay of being creative. No, that's true. <laughs> I, I I just I just wish make it make it different. Even if you're going to use those two actors again, make it a different story. I just I'll always always believe in that. But yeah, that's not going to happen. I'll never get my wish. <laughs> the, how are they going to make money? Hey, bad boys. People like that twenty years ago, right? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> well, that's what we do. Yeah. Uh, ben Wheatley is going to direct a Tomb Raider sequel with Alicia Vikander returning as Lara Croft. Why? I, I like Tomb Raider. It was fine, yeah, but why again? <laughs> I don't. I whatever. I'm gonna see it. I might. Probably not in the. I probably won't see it in theaters. But I don't. Good admitted, for Ben Wheatley. Admittedly, yeah. I only saw the first one because it was free at the time. Because I worked as a same. Theater. Same. That was a major like. I, probably, oh, I got time to waste. <laughs> I probably would have waited for DVD if I had to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, actress Carol Lindley died at age 77 of a heart attack. She was best known for her role as Nani Perry in 1972's The Poseidon Adventure. Rest in peace. Haley Atwell has joined the upcoming seventh Mission Impossible film set for release in 2021. Christopher McQuarrie will direct it as well as the eighth film set for 2022. Obviously, Tom Cruise is returning for both. <laughs> and frankly, you know what? I'm, I'm excited. I like these movies. <laughs> They're never going to stop. Yeah, you just might as well get on board. This is like, there's so many fucking remakes. And half of them are good. <laughs> Half of them are... Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's what it is. That, I, I'll always complain about it because it's real. It's I like, really liked Fallout. I thought it was really cool. It's probably the best one. I enjoyed it. I love Henry Cavill. The, I thought the effects were amazing. I thought the stunt work was fucking incredible. Yeah. And I... Look, I have issues with Tom Cruise. Obviously, as a human being, I think he's a fucking monster. <laughs> yeah. But he's I, actually evil. Yeah. I think he's a decent actor. Yeah. And I like these movies, so fuck it. I'm going to see it. I'll see it too. No, I, I, I see all of them, and I, I know I'm. I think um, Philip Seymour Hoffman in the, the third one is like one of my one of my favorite villains, like like original villains, you know. Yeah, for sure, a lot of fun. So there, there are good things about them. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy to hear. Like set for release in 2021, the seventh film, and then a year later, the eighth film. It's just not going to stop. Until Tom Cruise is what seventy? I don't. Know. It didn't get good till part four. That's the fucking craziest <laughs> thing about this. The first two suck. It got, it got good once Tom Cruise. Three's was only three's only good because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Exactly. A three is convoluted and, and four messy. fucking rocks. Michael yeah. Nickvis is the bad guy. Yep. You got that scale in the building thing. Like yeah. Fuck. Yeah, that's the one in Dubai, right? Yeah. 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 And then you know Rogue Nation just built yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, I don't know what changed, but. <laughs> Tom Cruise got desperate? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, next up, uh, here we go again. Paramount has announced plans to reboot the 1997 action classic Face Off. Very much against this. I love Face Off. Me too. Travolta, Cage, John Woo. Perfect. You don't need to do that again. What do they reboot as in? Uh, I, I will bet you a million bucks it's going to be two women this time. Yeah. I bet you that's what they're going to do. <laughs> yep. Yep. Who do you... Do you want to guess the two people? Sure. Can we just guess for fun? All, All right. right. Let's see. We, we have... Of course, we have to have diversity. Charlize Theron, possibly. And then, and then like, Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. But then it becomes, like, a racial thing where, like, is it a white person doing... 
like a literal blackface? Like, how does that oh, work? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do this. I don't want them to do this at all. No, it, Travolta and Cage. It it's worked. The only it was, way. It was so cheesy, way. but it was self-aware. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, it's one of those movies like, how did this get made? Oh, yeah, because Travolta and Cage, that's how it got made. And fucking John Woo. And Woo, yeah, and Woo. Yeah, the king of Chinese action flicks. Yeah. Like, god damn it. Ugh. Fuck that. That's also, it's that's 20 years ago. Like, at least... At least do like an older movie, you know, with these. Like, Dude, now they're, they're remaking stuff from like five years ago. Uh, now. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, like, there's they're, no. We're, we're already revisiting Joker, and we that just happened ten years we're ago. We're probably so. gonna get another fucking Spider-Man reboot now. No, like, well, yeah, nothing changes, this, man. It's frustrating. They could give a fuck. What we that want. that is one thing that's refreshing about the Mission Impossible stuff is it's always been Tommy. Yeah, always been old Tommy Cruise, and they they do have an ongoing story that they keep revisiting, so that's cool. It's been the same Ethan Hunt the whole time. Yeah, I like that. Next up, Oscar nominee Haley Steinfeld is in talks to play the lead in Disney's upcoming Disney Plus Marvel show Hawkeye. If cast, she'd play Kate Bishop, who is trained by Jeremy Renner's Clint Barton to take on the mantle of Hawkeye. Hell yeah, I'm okay with that. I think she's a good I'm, actress. I love Haley. Yeah, I'm yeah. very okay with that. I was kind of hoping Jeremy Renner was going to be the lead on this, but it makes sense. <clears throat> I think Haley and Jeremy will be a very fun little uh, tandem, though. Yeah, for sure. Finally, and I was very sad to hear this, character actor Sid Haig was in an undisclosed accident and is currently being treated in intensive care. No word yet on his condition or what happened. He's set to appear in Rob Zombie's new film, Three from Hell, set for release sometime this month. Yeah. I really hope he recovers. He's 80 years old. I didn't know that. Neither did I. But, yeah, fuck, man. Hang in there, Sid Hague. Seriously. Yeah, God bless. That's all for this week, listeners. Don't get comfortable, though. We're not ready to leave hell just yet. Next week, we're venturing into the realm of gypsy curses and tackling our first foray into the work of Sam Raimi with 2009's Drag Me to Hell. Hell yeah. A lone officer named Christine Brown evicts an old woman from her home and brings down an ungodly fucking firestorm of nightmares and impending death upon herself when the old woman curses her with an ancient evil that will claim her life in mere days if she doesn't find a way to break it. Super scary, brilliant original concept in our upcoming 29th episode. See you next Wednesday, listeners. And while you're waiting, it might not be a bad idea to check your child for devil-shaped birthmarks. Every parent at one point thinks they've given birth to the Antichrist. The scariest part is, one of us is right.